0: Welcome to Doorway to Darkness. Horror stories by Casey Burren. Narrated by the Night Creeper. Please follow or subscribe to Doorway to Darkness on your podcast app of choice. The world is full of mysteries, some of them dark and sinister. And when one of those mysteries collide with the supernatural the consequences can be truly terrifying. Meet Chance, a 19-year-old supernatural expert who has been born with the gift of vision to the world beyond this one, and his business associate, Tyler, a paranormal private investigator. When Dr. Pedersen, a former college professor, with a dark secret, summons them to a secluded cabin in the woods, they couldn't have known the evil that waited for them inside. But when Chance brings along a bag of mysterious powder, to show Dr. Pedersen, who's an expert in Mongolian folklore, they soon realized that some secrets are better left unknown. Won't you join me, the Night Creeper, your host and narrator, for horror writer Casey Burren's story called Eye in the Hand? Come with us to uncover the dark secrets lurking in the shadows as we enter the doorway to darkness. I pulled the velvet bag of death out of my coat pocket to ensure it remained safe in my grasp. As I opened the pouch, a wave of what smelled like rotten corn chips floating around an open sewer flooded my nostrils. My parents and I had spent six months communing on a Mongolian rolling plateau while they were going through an existential phase at the time. As I said my goodbyes, the old shaman stuffed this bag into my hands. Many days from now, it will find you, or you will find it, the shaman said. Either way, I've foreseen it. When the time comes, you will know. Know what I said, just a boy of twelve years old. From death comes life, from life comes death. All fates are possible, he said. I can't tell you more than that, as I do not know. But when the time comes, you will know. For the last seven years, I've toted around this talisman against evil that I unceremoniously dubbed the Bag of Death due to its putrid smell. Even though I disliked its stench, I appreciated the old shaman's gift based on a scant vision that he didn't have to share with me. Now, at 19 years old, I still didn't know what the shaman had meant just seven years ago. I'd wondered about the bag of death every so often. I'd ask myself if I knew, as he told me, but I never did. So I decided one day I'd take it to an expert. That's how I find myself riding in a car with my bag of death, heading to a notable archaeologist named Dr. Pedersen, who just so happened to need our help. A widely published academician in ancient mystic cultures, Dr. Pedersen would know were truly laid in that velvet bag. My business partner, Tyler, a former police detective turned paranormal private investigator, handled all clients and drives us to all our destinations as she found herself doing just that. So here we were speeding down a barren highway rimmed with pine trees with no end in sight. I should have known opening the bag of death with its pungent smell would set Tyler off. Ew! Chance! What is that? Tyler said as she drove. It stinks! You said the man we're meeting today is an archaeologist, right? I said. He recently came back from Mongolia about a year ago? A year isn't recent, but that seems to be the last port of call, Tyler said. Our client today is Dr. Gerard James the third, who has won a bunch of awards or something like that. He's very well published, I said. I enjoyed his paper on the search for Genghis Khan's tomb when I read it last night in preparation for our assignment today. Seriously, what is that junk, Tyler said. As you know, I've traveled all over the world with my parents, I said. I've been to all seven continents and a 126 Of the planet's nearly 200 countries, when I was in Mongolia, a shaman who we were staying with gave it to me as a present. Kid, that crap smells like that priest gave you vomit in a cup, Tyler said. Are you sure that priest even liked you? I call it the bag of death, I said. Judging by its smell, its mineral salts mixed in with pulverized bone of ancient shamans, it's supposed to ward off some kind of evil. When the shaman gave it to me, he said I would know when to use it. All I know is that it smells like baby poo on a stick, Tyler said. I want to show it to Dr. Pedersen, who we're seeing today, I said. He's an expert on Asian history and culture, especially Mongolian folklore. Maybe he can tell me more about it. Also, I thought he'd appreciate it, unlike some people. Pines. Nothing but pines, Tyler said, stretching her hands across the expanse of the car's windshield. Dr. Pedersen is making us drive all this way into the country so he doesn't want to be found for some reason, known only to him. Something's up with him. That's why you're here. He doesn't know I'm coming? I said. Seriously, you gotta put that junk away, Tyler said. I'm gonna hurl all over the dash. I closed the velvet bag and shoved it back into my coat. Usually, you don't meet the clients until I know what's going on, Tyler said. Is he haunted? Possessed? In the league with the dark side? Don't know. He wouldn't tell me over the phone, but he paid double the rate. No questions asked. I didn't get a bad vibe off of him. Seems solid. Story seems to add. What is his story, I said. You never told me. He left his teaching position about a month ago. Leave of absence, I guess, Tyler said. He's rented this cabin out in the woods for a few weeks now. I work with spirits, but this sounds out of my depth, I said. We really don't know what this man's problem is. Kid, sometimes you just gotta take a leap of faith, Tyler said. This man needs our help. What we can't do for him, we'll find someone who can. This man's good people. I get vibes about people, and this one's good. Tyler pointed to a fork in the road that led to a cabin that I could see far down the road. Where are we, I said, staring at the gaggle of pine trees that seemed to go on forever. Then I saw a middle-aged man who I determined was Dr. Pedersen. He stood at attention on the cabin's porch, as if he'd been waiting there for hours. Tyler pulled the car near the front but Dr. Pedersen continued staring down the road as if he was still looking for us. We got out of the car and headed for him. As I got closer, I noticed his right hand looked bandaged around his palm with bright red flecks of blood in the gauze. Dr. Pedersen, Tyler said, just about six feet away from him. He seemingly snapped out of a trance as Dr. Pedersen's blank expression broke into a broad smile that I immediately trusted. You must be Tyler, he said. Thank you so much for coming. I brought my business associate, Chance, Tyler said. He works with me. I thought you were coming alone, he said. I don't know if I like that. He stared at me frozen, like he wasn't looking at me at all, but rather through me. As soon as I turned to Tyler, he snapped out of it. That's wonderful that you brought Chance, he said completely changing his previous sour demeanor like he ping-ponged from anger to delight. I used to teach college kids like you. Around your age. How old are you? Nineteen, I said, but I'll be twenty in a few months. Just as I thought, he said, you're just like my college kids that I used to teach. Aren't you still at the university, Tyler said? You're just taking a leave of absence. I've totally left, he said. I'm never going back there. Not at all. That's too bad, I said. A great loss for the university. I'll be back. I'm just taking a break, he said. Come on in, please. Thank you so much for coming. Tyler didn't follow him, so I didn't either. Catching the subtle nonverbal cues, I knew she wanted a confab with me. Thoughts, Tyler said. Nice guy, but it seems strange that he contradicted himself twice in the first five minutes of meeting him, I said. Right. Like he's two people. Tyler said, did you notice the bloody hand? I nodded my head that I did, not wanting Dr. Pedersen to hear our conversation for the sake of good manners, something which I've tried to set an example for Tyler, who didn't experience such advantages in her youth. I'm getting a bad vibe, kid, Tyler said. Be on the ready. Tyler motioned to her hip, where she kept her gun, which she called her girl. After she walked ahead, I pulled out my bag of death to check that the powder was still safe. When I opened the bag, its stench wafted up under my nose before I stuffed it back into my jacket pocket again. I walked into the cabin's main room with a small kitchen and living room attached. A round oak table sat as the room's centerpiece, but I couldn't see much as it was littered with open jars of mustard, ketchup, soy sauce, meat sauces, and mayonnaise. Fast food wrappers and discarded napkins littered the floor, as did empty plastic bread bags. Instead of one man, it looked like a party of seven had dined there recently. Dr. Pedersen pushed the plastic wrappers and other forms of garbage from the chairs onto the floor. Please sit down, Dr. Pedersen said, motioning to the chair. I'm sorry, I'm out of sorts today. You seem perfectly fine to us, Tyler said. Right, Chance? "'Absolutely, Dr. Pedersen,' I said. "'We didn't notice anything strange about you. Not at all. Seems perfectly normal to me. I can't see one odd thing about you. You're like the salt of the earth.' "'Chance,' Tyler said. "'No, please. Don't be upset with the boy,' Dr. Pedersen said. "Over-explaining deflects the truth, but it's only the truth. I am troubled, as you can plainly see. No need to sugarcoat it on my account.' but I do appreciate the gesture. Never one to mince, Tyler asked Dr. Pedersen about his bloody hand wrapped in gauze. Dr. Pedersen sat back in the chair and stared up at the ceiling for a moment, seemingly contemplating his next words. I probably should show you, he said, since it's the reason why I brought you here. He unwound the wrappings, facing Tyler. I looked away because I'm not one for carnage. I saw the bloody gauze thrown to the side. Dr. Pedersen humped his hand so Tyler could see it. Tyler moved in to get a closer look like she was inspecting a precious diamond. Dr. Pedersen, there's nothing there, Tyler said. I know. No one sees it, Dr. Pedersen said. I've shown it to everyone, but no one can see it. No one sees what I see. What do you see? I said. Dr. Pedersen turned to me and, in so doing, exposed his right palm. I expected to see what Tyler saw nothing. But I wasn't so lucky. I lurched back in my chair, trying to get as far away from it as I could. My hands shook uncontrollably as I peered at it, just inches from my face. A wave of nausea came over me as I couldn't stop looking at it. I clapped my hands over my mouth in utter disbelief while I stared at it. And it stared back at me. One perfectly round eyeball embedded in Dr. Peterson's hand as if it had always been there. It blinked a few times before glaring at me with its eyelid narrowing as it zeroed in on my face. Dear God, Dr. Pedersen said, grabbing me with both hands. You see it? Tell me you see it. What do you see, Tyler said to me. I thought I was the only one who could see it, Dr. Pedersen said. What a relief. I've shown it to everyone, but no one sees it. I've tried cutting it out of my hand, but I can't. It never works. Please, please, you must help me. As he waved around his hand, it scowled at me, following me around with its one eyeball. I whirled around, turning my back completely to Dr. Pedersen so I wouldn't make eye contact with it. Tell me, are you a seer, Dr. Pedersen said to me? A mystic? A visionary? What are you? One might say chance is a ghost whisperer of sorts, Tyler said. He sees what others can't. Please, let me show you, he said. Stay right here. Dr. Pedersen ran into the upstairs bedroom and disappeared. Tyler stared at the bedroom door for a moment before turning to me. What the hell did you see, kid? Tyler said. Let's go, I said not even looking at her. I don't want to see the lion eat the baby zebra. Stop talking in tongues, she said, plain English. Tell me, what's going on? Let's leave while he's upstairs, I said. We'll call him from the road. He's beyond help from this point. We're staying right here, unless you give me a good reason to leave, Tyler said. We came all this way to help this man, and that's exactly what we're going to do. Eye in the hand, I said. What? Tyler said, you heard me, I said. What the hell is even that? Tyler said, I in the what? Shh, I said, right before jumping out of my chair. Don't say it out loud. I headed for the door, but Tyler ran in front of me and blocked my path. Oh no, not that again, Tyler said. I can't say this, I can't say that. We're way past niceties. You start talking right now, chance. I am the hand, I said. It's usually a good omen, but not his. We can't help him. We came to help this man, Tyler said. A curse can be removed. We can do this. He's good people. I don't know who cursed him, and I don't know why, but he's vexed, I said. Let's talk to him and find out more information, so we can help him, Tyler said, so we can get him the help he needs, if not from us then from someone else who's an expert in this area he just needs a break when i said i in the hand i didn't mean it's just the name of the curse i meant it exactly and precisely and i fixed firmly in the palm of dr Pederson's hand so you're telling me there's literally An eyeball rolling around in that man's hand, Tyler said. And it's no friend to me, I said. I can feel its anger coming off, like it's a stench peeling off a dead body. It's got attitude. None of it good. Tyler glanced around the cabin, trying to grasp what I just told her. We need to depart now, I said. The curse. It's close. Too close. I don't know more than that. It's wicked beyond words. I think we need more intel, Tyler said. I'm not willing to give up on this man. She stood up straight and folded her arms, a clear sign to me that I'd been outranked in the decision-making process. Listen, kid, we ain't quitters, Tyler said. We're not cursed. He is. Now, book up, and let's get to the bottom of this. Dr. Patterson ran back into the main room with a map. He dumped a pile of what looked like maps of caves on the table. You have no idea the relief I feel right now. This thing looking at me day in and day out, he said. But no one can see it. So no one believed me. I've gone to everyone. Mystics, necromancers, psychics. But no one, no one but you, Chance. You can see it. I finally have hope after all these months. As Dr. Pedersen rambled, I caught a glimpse of it again as it glared at me when it caught sight of me. Whatever it was, we'd never be fast friends. I felt the bag of death in my coat pocket as we locked eyeballs. We were excavating in Mongolia, looking for the lost grave of Genghis Khan when I first saw it. Only for a second, the first time, Dr. Pedersen said. I thought it was hallucinating, but I saw it again. However, this time for longer, but still just for seconds. I saw it more and more until I couldn't not see it. It's always there, looking at me, staring at me, stalking me. For so long I thought I was going crazy because only I could see it. As Dr. Pedersen rambled on about where he'd been and what he'd been doing in Mongolia, I felt a wave of nausea wash over me. As I turned toward him, I caught sight of his right hand, seeing a perfectly barren palm. "'It's gone,' I said. "'The curse is broken.' Dr. Pedersen looked down at his hand. "'My God! You're right! It's gone!' He grabbed me with both arms and held me there. "'I can't believe it! The curse is gone!' Dr. Pedersen hugged me, nearly pulling me off the ground as I was locked in his arms. Per usual, Tyler stated the obvious. Huh. That doesn't make any sense, Tyler said. Why would it just be gone for no reason? I shook my head side to side, so confused I'd lost my voice. What the hell is that, Tyler said. Tyler pointed to a prominent bulge under Dr. Peterson's long-sleeved shirt. He ripped the cotton to reveal a fleshy bulge coming out of his forearm that appeared to be growing like a balloon pumped with helium. When it reached the size of a baseball, two welts formed and rolled around like something was inside of them. We watched in horror as it pulsated, protruded, and protracted until it happened. Two eyes popped out of the fleshy protrusion like he had a mini head bulging out of his forearm. Sweet baby Jesus, Tyler said. That's a whole human head. You can see it now, Dr. Pedersen said. A little head with two beady eyes staring back at me, Tyler said. I wish I didn't see it, but I see it plain as day. Dr. Pedersen ran into the kitchen, leaving us both at the table. Why can I see it now, Tyler said. It doesn't need to hide anymore, I said. What do you mean, it? It can't hide from me because I can see what others can't see, I said. He can see it because he's the one who's cursed. But it's not hiding from anyone anymore. It's ready to be seen. A remarkably dreadful sign for all of us. Dr. Pedersen returned with a meat cleaver and a newly found purpose. I can't let it win, he said, lifting the cleaver above the mini-head perched on his right arm. Stop! Don't do that, Tyler said. I watched as Dr. Petterson chopped off that little head as blood spurted out in all directions. The fleshy mass dropped on the floor and splatted into pieces. Tyler slapped a wad of paper towels over his arm to stem the bleeding. Sit down here, she said. I had to do it, Dr. Pedersen said. I had to cut out the curse. We got to get you to a doctor, Tyler said. You need stitches. Where's the nearest hospital? But then another fleshy nodule sprouted out from under his shirt. But this time it formed further up his forearm, growing to the size of a softball with two eyes emerging, a hint of a nose and an unmistakable slit of a mouth. Dr. Pedersen tore off his shirt and reached for the cleaver, but Tyler whisked it away. You're going to kill yourself, Tyler said. We've got to get you some help. Then it started to travel up his arm to his shoulder. It inflated like one of those hydrogen balloons as the eyes, nose, and mouth started to take shape as the head of another man. Hair sprouted out at the top, growing at record speed. The head continued to oscillate and grow, moving closer to Dr. Peterson's head, until it reached his neck. The head grew twice the size of Dr. Peterson's head, revealing a row of razor-sharp teeth. Dr. Peterson stood with two heads, one his own and the other a monster that only resembled a man. Its eyes were more like holes, and his mouth was rimmed with multiple rows of razor-sharp piranha teeth, that spanned nearly ear to ear. The head turned toward Dr. Pedersen before whispering something into his ear. Help me please, Dr. Pedersen cried to us, but what could we do? The head reared up and maneuvered its stalk in such a way that it clamped its teeth over Dr. Pedersen's head, all the way down to his neck. Then it bit off Dr. Pedersen's head. I heard the crunch of bone and blood dripping from its mouth as if it had eaten a juicy watermelon whole. Bang! Bang! Tyler fired her gun into the side of what used to be Dr. Pedersen. It appeared to have no effect other than making it cackle with joy at a horror. The head kept maneuvering as if it was taking its rightful place on top of Dr. Pedersen's body. It licked its lips as it gazed upon Tyler as if it was determined to devour her, too. Just then I recalled the bag of death in my coat pocket, realizing it was our only hope. I opened the pouch and flung my entire stock into its face. Its head became encased in putrid dust that stunk so bad my eyes started to water. It sputtered, coughed, and gag as it clutched its throat it whipped itself around the room thrashing against everything it smashed into the creature pulverized the lamps end tables wall paintings accent chairs and coffee table until it collapsed onto the breakfast table that splintered into pieces it convulsed on the floor until it stopped entirely Tyler moved in, standing above it, gazing down at the dead creature. Its head began to deflate until it existed no more. The headless body of Dr. Pederson laid before us. She stood there staring at the corpse for many moments until she spoke. Kid, I'm so glad I brought you, Tyler said. I said, Tyler, with the exception of saving your life? I'm not. Thank you for joining us at Doorway to Darkness, horror stories by Casey Burren, narrated by The Night Creeper. Please follow or subscribe to Doorway to Darkness on your podcast app of choice. Until next time, stay alive. If you can...